the legendary superpowers show. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 139 of the Man of Screen podcast. I am your host, Mike Zemo. And in this episode, I'm going to enter into a new era of Super Friends coverage as I leave behind seasons 5, 6, and 7, and we head into season 8, which is commonly known as the Legendary Superpowers Show. And in this episode, I'm going to be covering weeks 1 and 2. Some uh, background information on this season. For those of you who will remember last season's coverage, uh, season 7 was considered the lost season, meaning that ABC uh, made some kind of error and the uh, Super Friends episodes did not air in the United States during the 1983 season. They aired in Australia and in, in the UK and other places like that. But having not aired in the U- in the US, the uh, ABC network corrected its mistake and returned Super Friends to its 8 a.m. time slot on Saturday mornings. And this uh, new format was the uh, first format change since 1979's The World's Greatest Super Friends, in which the all-new episode during The uh, World's Greatest Super Friends was basically a 20-minute episode. This incarnation consisted of 16 short episodes and ran uh, as the clock went during uh, that time for 30 minutes, 22 minutes of showtime, 8 minutes of commercials, so that gave us two 11-minute stories. For the most part, one of the episodes I covered this week, and I'm going to mention this later, The Bride of Darkseid two-parter, I believe the first part was 13 minutes and the second part was 9. A little more leeway when you're doing one story over the course of those two episodes. So this series ran from September 8th, 1984 until October 29th, 1984. This was more in line with the challenge of the Super Friends, and it also also featured actual DC comic supervillains from the comics as regular enemies. In episodes I'm going to cover this week, we've already seen Brainiac and Mirror Master, and we're going to get our first look at Darkseid and Dissod and Kalabak, characters that are part of uh, Jack Kirby's fourth world. So, some new stuff, more comics-inspired episodes this, this go-around, and you really can't go wrong with that. This series is noteworthy in that it also introduces a new Super Friends team member, and this one is actually from the comics, as this is the first TV appearance of Firestorm. And uh, this is Firestorm in his original incarnation as the combination of Ronnie Raymond and Professor Martin Stein. Also, this season is notable for having a, a Kenner toy line tie-in. This series was produced as a tie-in with the Kenner Superpowers line, and I had... A lot of these toys when I was a kid. Most of the action figures. I had the Hall of Justice. I had the Batmobile. I had a ship that Darkseid flew in. I had the Supermobile. I had tons of toys from uh, from this line. And I still have some of them. I have my Hall of Justice. I have Darkseid's ship. And I have a smattering of action figures. Just looking over to the left. I have... Well, no, Darkseid is from Total Justice. But I have Lex Luthor. Hawkman. Batman. The Flash, and Firestorm. The Penguin. Wonder Woman is sitting on top of the Hall of Justice. I thought I had the Joker somewhere too, but I'm not seeing him. So anyway, like I said, I had quite a few of those toys. And uh, these action figures were some of the uh, best uh, superhero action figures I've seen really since then. And they came with uh, power action. And uh, they contained a mini comic and a file card, which I've long since lost. Just had the uh, figures. So there'll be a new opening sequence, as you heard in the opening here. Less uh, announcement of Superman, Wonder Woman, a a lot less of that. No more announcing the roster. And you see a lot of Firestorm in the opening sequence. And Firestorm was created by Jerry Conway and Al Milgram. He made his first appearance at Firestorm number one, which was covered dated March 1978. So he was about a five-year-old character at this point. Another change was that Olan Sewell, who uh, played the role of Batman in the uh, first seventh season... He voiced Professor Stein this season as Adam West took over as Batman, which is a little weird hearing for me. You know, I love Adam West as Batman as much as the next guy, but 
in these first episodes that I watched, it was strange hearing Adam West portraying this Batman. I've gotten so used to uh, Olin Sewell in this role that I just associate Olin Sewell with this version of Batman. Even when I read old uh, Silver and Bronze Age comics, now I hear I now hear uh, Olin Sewell in my head. Not so much uh, Kevin Conroy, who I hear in the modern books, but. So it is a little strange at first hearing Adam West as Batman, but I quickly got over it. Other regulars include Superman, Batman, Robin, and Wonder Woman. Aquaman appears in the opening sequence, riding his seahorse in majestic fashion, but he is not in any episodes of uh, this series. And while I have not seen them yet this season, the Flash, Green Lantern, and Hawkman each have a cameo each. I'm covering an episode this week of involving the mirror mask why the flash didn't make an appearance in that episode i will never know another cast replacement involved uh connie caulfield taking over for shannon farnan who had voiced wonder woman for the previous 10 years caulfield will only voice wonder woman for this series though and uh our continuing uh ethnic heroes quote-unquote black vulcan samurai apache chief and el dorado will continue to be major players this season other changes involves this big one involves Wonder Woman, who was animated with the W symbol on her costume instead of the eagle design, and uh, and this carried over into the final series, Galactic Guardians. There will be a new Brainiac this season. I will talk about him more uh, later during the Wrath of Brainiac. We're also going to see vehicles such as the Supermobile, the Batmobile, and we're going to be introduced this season to Lex Luthor's vehicle, the Lexor 7. And this season also was so successful that it spawned several comic book miniseries, and really in 1984 it caused... Uh, Resurgence of popularity with the Super Friends. Part of the problem with the uh, Super Friends' waning popularity could have been the fact that it hadn't been on the air in two years. Maybe if it aired in the uh, U.S. in 1983, the popularity wouldn't have waned nearly as much. But the biggest addition to this season is the introduction of Darkseid and other uh, Fourth World elements, mostly from Apocalypse, even though it's highly adapted from what you're used to in the comics. Darkseid made his first appearance in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen number 134, Cover dated December 1970. Incidentally, I actually had this book uh, and didn't even realize it until I sold it about six months to a year ago. I remember it being in such demand that and going for such a high price and that it actually made me look it up. Because mainly the books I was the old uh, books I was selling weren't going for that much. I was wondering why this one was so valuable and, until I looked it up on the internet and found that it was actually the first appearance of Darkseid. Had that in my possession all these years and never realized it as far and uh other than the nbc airing reruns of spider-man and his amazing friends and the animated adventures of the uh, incredible hulk by marvel sunball productions the super friends really didn't have any serious competition from other networks uh this season also even though i'm not going to cover them again three episodes from the 1983 season were aired as part of the legendary superpowers show mixed yes Pitalix revenge roller coaster and once upon a, P- a polter now as for our cast, I've already talked about some of them, but I'm going to go through it all. Narrator was William Woodson. The announcer was Dick Tufeld. The Super Friends cast is Danny Dark, voices Superman. Adam West voices Batman. Robin is voiced by Casey Kasem. Wonder Woman is voiced by Connie Caulfield. Firestorm is voiced by Mark L. Taylor. Samurai is voiced by Jack Angel. Black Vulcan is voiced by Buster Jones. El Dorado is voiced by Fernando Escondón. Apache Chief is voiced by Michael Rye. Additionally... The uh, junior super friends, uh, Jaina, is voiced by B.J. Ward. Zan is voiced by Michael Bell, who also provides the voice of Gleek. Desaad is voiced by René Abergenois. Listeners of uh, Listen to uh, the Prophets will recognize Abergenois as Constable Odo on Deep Space Nine. Darkseid is voiced by Frank Welker, who also provides the voice of Kalabak. Jack Angel provided the voice of Hawkman. Michael Rye voiced Green Lantern. Jack, Jack Angel also voiced The Flash. Marion McDonald Lewis voiced Lois Lane. Stanley Ralph Ross voiced Brainiac. Lex Luthor was voiced by Stan Jones. The Riddler 
was voiced by Michael Bell, and that's pretty much it. Now, I could head right into episode coverage, but I'm not just yet. First, feedback. You guessed it, from Dave McElvenny. Dave is writing in on Man of Screen episode 128, and Dave writes, Greetings, Mike. Again, I don't have a lot to say about these stories. I'm really tired of the Wonder Twins, and the other stories seem a bit recycled and threadbare, as you mentioned. I did think Return of Atlantis could really have benefited from more time. The idea of a female-led Atlantis is intriguing, almost as if the Amazon's Paradise Island had sunk into the sea and become like Atlantis. That would have been an interesting story. Revenge of Bizarro was not as bad as the other stories here, but in the world of Sir Percy, Sir Percy Blakeney, also known as the Scarlet Pimpernel, there's nothing that is quite so bad as to which is not so bad. I'm looking forward to hearing your coverage of Superman 2. Live long and prosper, Dave. And as always, I thank you, Dave, for writing in. You know, Dave, now that I am beyond the episodes that the seven minute shorts, I am very happy to be moving into the Legendary Superpowers show. I do think this season and Galactic Guardians will, will give us, I don't know if they're necessarily gonna, the stories are going to give us more to sink our teeth into, but the stories are definitely a lot more fun, and I'm really looking forward to talking about these episodes that, I, that I've got coming up this week. So I really don't want to waste any more time. I want to get right to it. Going to take a podcast promo break, and then when I come back, I'm going to cover the first episode of The Legendary Superpowers Show, The Bride of Darkseid, Part 1 and 2. Hang around, folks. It began with the return of an ancient evil. Ah! This is the story of five teenagers. Not teenagers! Yes, teenagers. Specifically chosen to keep our planet safe as the Power Rangers! Ranger Chronicles. Every Tuesday as part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. All right, welcome back, folks. This episode had an original broadcast date of September 8th, 1984. And it is The Bride of Darkseid by Jeff Sagal and Alan Burnett, who I believe would go on to work on the uh, Bruce Timm-produced uh, Batman the Animated Series Superman Justice League. Now, this episode was done in two parts, but I'm going to push it together. I'm going to cover parts one and two together, so I'm not going to have a break between the parts like I will in the next segment. And our synopsis is brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. The Super Friends meet a new superhero, Firestorm. Who in heaven's name are you? Firestorm. Firestorm? Yeah, I made up the name myself. <laughs> Pretty cool, huh? Not bad. Well, gotta go. Maybe we'll meet again soon, I hope. Hey, wait! Hey, Professor, that Wonder Woman's a real fox. Uh, couldn't we have stayed with her just a little longer? <laughs> Sorry, my friend, but I have to get back to my lab and you have to study for your final exam. Oh, I, I must be the only superhero in the world who has to worry about homework. Whose youthful exuberance and amazing powers of atomic transmutation impressed the heroes enough to offer him membership in the team. He is two people in one. But how is that possible? Ronald is with me in my laboratory when one of my molecular fusion experiments exploded. Since then, we've been able to fuse into the form of Firestorm. All we have to do is concentrate and... Amazing. And while I, Ronald Raymond, control Firestorm, Professor Stein guides me telepathically. You can't see or hear him, but the professor is always at my side. Perhaps you should demonstrate your powers, Ronald. Uh, good idea, Professor. As Firestorm, I can pass through solid objects. 
or change the molecular structure of inanimate objects, like uh, turning this into a, a bouquet of plastic flowers. Are you, Wonder Woman? <laughs> Why, thank you, Firestorm. I think I speak for everyone, Firestorm, when I say that you would be a welcome addition to the Super Friends. That is, if you're willing to join us. Me? A Super Friend? <laughs> you bet! And if you wish, I can spend tomorrow showing you the secrets of the Hall of Justice. Wow! This is unbelievable! And his power is added at the right time, for soon after the Super Friends are introduced to their most powerful and, and dangerous foe, Darkseid, ruler of Apocalypse, who desires Wonder Woman for his bride. Who is this Darkseid Superman? He comes from the planet Apocalypse and is said to be the most powerful leader of the intergalactic underworld. I think we should return to the Hall of Justice at once. And Firestorm, you're invited to come with us. Great! Darkseid succeeds in kidnapping Wonder Woman due partly to Firestorm's inexperience, but he more than makes up for it when he journeys to Apocalypse with the Super Friends and helps rescue Wonder Woman, making Darkseid their mortal enemy in the process. That signal means the Super Friends are returning. I'll shut down the force fields and let them in. Guys sure know how to make an entrance. If Firestorm hadn't blasted that mind probe, we might never have returned. Thank you for coming to our rescue. Oh, gee, I, I was the least I could do, Wonder Woman. But how in the name of Krypton were you able to break free from the mind probe when no one else could? Well, you know what they say, two heads are better than one. Let me start off by saying... What a fun episode, and what a welcome change from what I've covered over the last three months, maybe more, maybe four months, and seasons five, six, and seven were interrupted by Christopher Reeve movies, so. And thank God for that, if I had to cover those three seasons straight through without any interruption into uh, Christopher Reeve films, I might have lost my mind. Oh, and by the way, after this uh, season, Super Friends will again be interrupted by coverage of Supergirl, but more on that in another time. But anyway, what a welcome change. I will say that right off the bat. And of course, this episode uh, starts with one of the uh, ancillary heroes. Black Vulcan is pursuing a getaway car that for some reason he can't keep up with. And this is when Firestorm shows up and uh, transmutes the car into a bathtub. So, uh, yeah, that's an interesting sight. All of a sudden, these criminals are driving a car down the road. And next thing you know, they're in a bathtub. I'm sure they're just as confused as anybody. And Firestorm is new on the scene as he is unknown to both the criminals and Black Vulcan. So, just like anyone else who has appeared on this show for the first time, Firestorm isn't going to show up like he's been here all the time. We really we really didn't get any uh, introduction to other heroes that joined the team, like Samurai, Black Vulcan, and uh, El Dorado. They were just there. So it's really cool that we're getting an introduction to Firestorm. We are meeting him as everybody else is, which has been completely foreign to this show period and stay with me because we're gonna get more of that as we go into this episode all of the new concepts are going to be new to not just the viewer but to the characters as well and i really like that it gives this story more i don't want to say it gives it an over an overall arc but i guess it shows a progression that we haven't really seen in past seasons so now a couple days have passed the metropolis is having a thunderstorm and we've got lois lane and clark and uh clark changes to superman by making a shirt rip in a phone booth and uh before Superman can do anything, uh, Firestorm turns the uh, falling Daily Planet globe, which, like I said, is falling because of an earthquake, into a hot air balloon. So, we got a new he superhero, we've got a rare appearance of Clark Kent, and this is not the only episode which we're going to see Lois Lane do, which is rare. We've only seen Lois Lane in 
maybe one or two episodes going, uh, looking back on the previous eight seasons. I know we've seen her at least twice. There was Lex Luthor's Revenge from the World's Greatest Super Friends, and then there was an episode where she and Clark run a ship that hit some icebergs. I don't remember what season that was. That could have been season three. The irregular Super Friends episode beyond the uh, challenge of the Super Friends. But uh, Danny Dark does a good enough change uh, for Clark Kent. He lightens his voice a little bit as Clark, so it's not as deep as Superman. I may have mentioned that before, but it's been so long since I've talked about Danny Dark playing the role of Clark Kent that I think it's worth mentioning that again. So now Firestorm is going to help Wonder Woman with an iceberg, and uh, he's making quite a name for himself right here, right off the bat here as he... Uh, introduces himself to Wonder Woman, and she is pretty impressed with him. And now we have an introduction of Professor Stein, who is basically a ghostly head speaking above Firestorm. And basically, the way I remember the origin of Firestorm, and if by some fluke, the irredeemable shag is uh, listening to this episode, he can correct me, because he is the uh, by far the biggest Firestorm fan that I know. I know Firestorm. I've even read a little bit of Firestorm, but I wouldn't pretend to be the Firestorm fan that Shag is. So anyway, I remember his origin is, uh, and they do talk about his origin a little bit in this episode. Ronnie Raymond and uh, Martin Stein were caught in in an accident, and they were fused together by into Firestorm. But since Raymond was conscious during the accident, Firestorm takes his form, and uh, Ronnie kind of drives the bus, so to speak, while Stein acts as a guided mentor that only Ronnie can hear. So uh, Firestorm is to make a bad pun, taking the world by storm, as uh, he's on the cover of just about everything, and the team discusses having him join. And this scene provides the uh, first time you hear Adam West as Batman in this show, and it's surprising hearing Adam West voicing Batman alongside Casey Kasem. Like I said, I got uh, so used to Olan Sol voicing this ki- this incarnation of Batman, but it is easy enough to get over. This is unbelievable, Superman. Firestorm is on the cover of every major magazine. He sure would make a powerful super friend. The problem is we don't know anything about him. Well, I've discovered one strange fact about our mysterious hero. According to a spectral genetic analysis of this photograph, Firestorm's genetic code is composed of quadruple DNA helices. It means that Firestorm appears to be two people in one. Holy split personalities! However, one thing I do I don't understand is how how the Justice League computer can tell that Firestorm is two people just kind of based on what the information they have. How the Super Friends got DNA evidence at this point, I don't know. But, you know, as the Super Friends computer is wont to do, it moves the plot forward. Now we have a sleeping volcano at Mount Jupiter, and we've got Darkseid and his son Kalabak coming through a portal. They refer to this starred circle as a Stargate. To me, when I see portals and Darkseid, I think of Boom Tube. But for some reason, we're not using that terminology in this show. I don't know why. And I really like the voice Frank Welker uses for Darkseid. Very, uh... We have finally arrived, Calabac. Look about you, my son. For on this spot, I shall defeat the Super Friends and assure my reign over the planet Earth. Yes, Darkseid. And now... I will rekindle that volcano with my Omega Beams! Can I help you, Father? No, I'm just temporarily weakened. Come, we must prepare for the arrival of the Super Friends. Just remember, Kalabak, no harm is to come to Wonder Woman. Whatever you say, father. It fits, if you if you know what I mean. The, the, it's almost a Darth Vader type of voice. You know, very uh, 
otherworldly, I guess, is the, is the best way to put it. You know, Michael Ironside was good in uh, Superman the Animated Series and Justice League as Darkseid in the 90s, but I like Frank Welker's Darkseid voice better than Ironside's, even though uh, Darkseid does sound a little bit like uh, Megatron from the Transformers, which Welker also does. But uh, Darkseid wakes up the volcano, and it is interesting that the first time Kalabak addresses Darkseid, he calls him by name. I'm guessing that's because... Uh, the writers of the show wants the kids to know that the villain's name is Darkseid. After that, every other time he calls Darkseid father, which is correct, as Kalabak is Darkseid's son, and uh, usually a failure. Kalabak is the son of Darkseid that can basically uh, do no right. Bless his heart, he tries hard to impress his father, but he usually ends up uh, not having a ton of respect, because he usually can't do anything himself without failing. So, Darkseid doesn't want any harm coming to Wonder Woman, so... We're going to know that his plot involves Wonder Woman. As if the title of the episode, Bride of Darkseid, wasn't uh, enough of a hint. Yes, we're going to learn that he's going to want Wonder Woman as his bride. And apparently not just in this episode. So the Super Friends are going to the volcano to uh, check things out. And here we got Ronnie Raymond with a boombox. And he's talking to uh, Professor Stein, who is working on some kind of physics equation that nobody understands. I don't know what happened, what the internal politics were that involved changing Batman's voice from Olin Sewell to... Adam West. I don't know if it was something Sewell agreed to. I don't know if they dropped Soul in favor of Adam West. I, mean, I don't know if Soul didn't want to do it anymore. I don't know what happened. And I did some quick checking and I couldn't really find out what happened. But aside from Adam West is Batman, I just wish that they'd vo- found someone other than Olin Soul to voice Martin Stein. Or maybe Soul wished that Soul had done a little something with his voice because. Yeah, Martin Stein is clearly Batman, at least the Batman that I'm used to from the first seven seasons. And uh, I kind of like this image of them concentrating as they form Firestorm, because usually, uh, and I don't know if that's going to be represented in this show at all. I haven't watched any of these episodes in a long time, and the only ones I've watched recently are the two that I'm talking about on this episode. In the comics, though, kind of, whenever Ronnie wants to turn on the Firestorm Matrix, he basically pulls Stein from wherever he is. Professor Stein can be home in the shower. If Ronnie becomes Firestorm, well, Professor Stein gets dragged along with his water running. So now we know the truth about Professor Stein. <laughs> we get, and Robin is exclaimed that, yes, they are two people. Yes, they are Robin. Very good. So we're getting some introductions here as Superman has heard of Darkseid, but they have not met before. So I like the continuity. I like that we're not just assuming everybody knows each other. We are meeting Darkseid at the same time. Well, no, we met Darkseid before, but the Super Friends are meeting them too. We're getting a good accounting of Firestorm's abilities here. Mostly his ability to uh, transmute substances, in this case, turning the lava to ice. After everything is done, Superman reveals that he knows of Darkseid. I'm not sure how if you never met him. Maybe he heard him, heard about him somewhere. But Superman seems to be the only person who's really ever heard of him. And it's really not much of a description of Darkseid. Just that he is the most powerful leader of the underworld. And now, we're going to go to Apocalypse. And this is not Apocalypse as I know it. As it's described as cold. The Apocalypse I know is a hell with fire pits emerging from giant craters. Hot, volcanic, the closest thing you can imagine to hell. This is not that. This, for the most part, could be Krypton as conceived in the Donner movie. So, I wonder why they change it. And Darkseid goes to Star Command. What is that? Are they going to be unleashing Buzz Lightyear? So anyway, Firestorm is apparently a game changer, but Desaad, who is Darkseid's second-in-command and uh, groveling servant, or whatever you want to call him, He's a diabolical schemer in his own right, but he is healed by Darkseid most of the time. So back at the hall, Firestorm reveals that he is two people to the Super Friends, and they show how he changes, and we get a demonstration of Firestorm's powers 
for not only the benefit of the Super Friends, but for the viewer as well. So Firestorm is welcome to join the Super Friends, and he acts with youthful enthusiasm. Now the side of some kind of invention here, the Mind Probe, and... This is the Mind Probe, which I control with this panel. At the push of a button, I can alter the personality of any living thing. Note what happens to your most aggressive guard dog when I direct the Mind Probe against him. We should try it out on Batman, or even Superman! Silence, Calabac. As soon as I can penetrate the Hall of Justice, Wonder Woman will be our first victim. I have always dreamed of making her my ally, but with this device, I can make her my queen! He can alter personalities with it. I guess he's going to use, and he uses it to, uh, change his guard dog into a whimpering fool just to show Darkseid that it works. And Kalibak is eager. He wants to take this and he wants to go destroy the Super Friends. And I love his eagerness. That is a key part of Kalibak's character. He is Darkseid's eager son. Like I said, he is quite often a failure and a disappointment. He'll have designs on the throne of Apocalypse, but he'll never get it because he's just too dumb. So joining the uh, Super Friends gets Firestorm the grand tour of the Hall of Justice, and he's clearly crushing on Wonder Woman, and he kind of blunders into hitting the lever that shuts off the Hall of Justice's force field, and the new kid, on his first day on the job, gets Wonder Woman captured by Darkseid. And that's where part one ends. Typically, these episodes are going to be 11 minutes long. This time, this part one here was 14 minutes, leaving less than nine minutes left for part two. So, like I said, I'm not going to do an episode break here. I'm just going to go right into part two. And part two starts with Firestorm basically being kind of down because he got Wonder Woman captured. And uh, Black Vulcan finds Apocalypse on the computer, you know, on, on a star chart, which is against everything I know about Apocalypse. So let's just say that for now. So decide is using his mind probe on Wonder Woman to uh, suck away her free will so that she won't want to escape. Can't move. What's happening? You've been sacked of your free will, Wonder Woman. You may want to escape, but you no longer have the strength to do so. And soon, you'll not want to escape at all. I must escape. Why do you resist? Are you not honored that I have chosen you to be my queen? Queen? Darkseid is very big on sapping the uh, free will of others, and that, if anything, the anti-life equation that Darkseid is always chasing in the comics is the destruction of free will, and that's his plan to make Wonder Woman his bride. We know he's the bad guy because he's going to force Wonder Woman to marry him. I don't know why he wants Wonder Woman to marry him, he just does. We don't really get an explanation for that, but he, I guess he just does. So now, the Super Friends will travel to Apocalypse through real space, which is not the way I understand the DC Universe, and by extension, the multiverse. In the universe of Infinite Earths, the way I understand it, there's only one Apocalypse, and you need a boom tomb to get to it. Apparently not here. So, the Super Friends show up on Apocalypse, and it's interesting seeing them skulking about, but Batman and Robin are leading the way, and Superman uh, is kind of laying behind, just following jogging after them you would think the most powerful member being superman would lead the way so again as they're fighting here dark side will shoot some kryptonite energy out and firestorm is making a good accounting of himself so right away you can kind of tell they're putting special emphasis on firestorm and he's going to feature in this season heavily so superman finds uh wonder woman in her cell and uh he pulls her out and right away just from the way she's talking I was suspicious of Wonder Woman. I mean, we, we'd already seen her go through the, the side's mind probe, so this feels like a trap. And Stein, who can only be heard by, by Firestorm, seems to sense it as well. And I was right, as she delivered the Super Friends right 
into the sad mind machine. And this trap was Darkseid's way to test the sad mind probe, you know, to see if it worked. I mean, you knew the whole thing was too easy. They're not going to travel through intergalactic space and just, you know, pull Wonder Woman out of her little prison cell on the first attempt. But if you listen close to the Wonder Woman when Superman was speaking to her when she was imprisoned, her voice was not as forceful as it usually is when she's speaking, and it was much softer, almost submissive, and yeah, that's how the Super Friends got caught. You know, Firestorm is, is probably the most upset about Wonder Woman becoming Darkseid's bride because that ruins his chances. He uh, hits on Wonder Woman in this episode as unapologetically as the Flash will in the Justice League cartoon in the, in the late 90s. So meanwhile, Stein is encouraging Firestorm to break free and he destroys the mind probe and that frees the heroes. Welcome to Apocalypse Super Friends. Don't bother struggling. Escape is impossible. Not even Superman can break free of its power. <laughs> Congratulations, Wonder Woman. You have passed your test. Wonder Woman? Thanks to the Mind Probe, she is mine now, as you shall all be. At the touch of the button, you will become servants for both myself and my future queen, Wonder Woman. No! I give you the honor, my dear, of transforming the Super Friends. Thank you, Darkseid. Resist, Ronald. We're two minds in one. If we concentrate together, we can break free of the probe. I'm trying, Professor. Press the button, and you will rule the universe at my side. Concentrate, Ronald. We can do it. Look, Firestorm is breaking free. Impossible. We're free. I'll take care of Darkseid. Someone help Wonder Woman. Only the power of her magic lasso can save her now. And from there, it's all pretty elementary as we're reaching the end of the episode. Superman wraps up the bad guys in the floor, and Batman frees Wonder Woman with the help of her magic lasso. Basically, what he does is uh, he wraps the lasso around her, and he reminded her the truth that she is Wonder Woman. She's a superhero, and she basically doesn't want to marry Darkseid. So Darkseid turns his Omega Beams on Superman, who is struggling to repel them, so... At first, I was afraid that the Omega Beams were just going to have no effect on Superman, but Superman probably stands up to them more than he should. But, you know, at least it took a little bit out of him. This gives Wonder Woman enough time to grab the Stargate Transmitter, which is basically a mother box, and she uses it to summon a gate, and they get away. Which is an interesting reversal. If you remember the challenge of the Super Friends, it was usually the bad guys that got away. This time, it's the heroes. And Darkseid is pissed because his plan is shot to hell. And apparently, in this incarnation... Darkseid's power is finite, as he can't do anything to punish the side properly because of the exertion of using his Omega Beam. Usually, Darkseid can use his Omega Beams and kind of flick things away, kind of almost at will. Not the case here, so Darkseid, while formidable, is a little depowered in this series. I don't know if that'll change later, but for now, he's not as formidable as he could be. And uh, speaking of the Sod's failures, uh, when he fails, the Sod tends to become very sniveling. He's kind of always on the brink of being destroyed by Darkseid for his failures, so... Not here, because we still have another season or two to get through. So Wonder Woman plans to kiss on Firestorm's cheek for rescuing her, and ending puns are just as painful. And, despite the painful ending puns, I really liked that episode. It's a great start to season 8, and that was a comic book on TV. And this is what kids are coming to this cartoon for. And this is more like the show I remember as a kid. So, what a great start. I'm going to take another break, play another promo. But when I come back, I'm going to cover the following week's episodes, The Wrath of Brainiac and Reflections in Crystal. Hang around, folks. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. 
They stand for truth and justice In sea, on land, in air Aquaman and Firestorm They make a super pair The Fire and Water Podcast Celebrating Aquaman, King of the Seven Seas And Firestorm, the Nuclear Man Available at Fire and Water Podcast Aquaman Shrine, Firestorm Fan And on iTunes and Stitcher I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag, here to talk about Firestorm. Along with me is my co-host, Rob Kelly, here to talk about some guy that talks to fish. Really? You're going to pull this crap during the promo? It's bad enough. I have to put up with your shenanigans every... All right, welcome back, folks. Both of the episodes of this segment had an original broadcast date of September 15th, 1984. And we're going to start with The Wrath of Brainiac by Glenn Leopold. And both of our synopses are brought to you by supermanhomepage.com, your number one source for Superman information on the web. While returning to Apocalypse from yet another dismal encounter with the Superfriend, Darkseid, Decide, and Kalibak encounter Wonder Woman, whom they pursue to a mysterious spaceship. There they learn, much to their surprise, that they have been following a Wonder Woman android created by the newly robotic Brainiac, returning to pursue his revenge against the Superfriends. I've never seen such advanced circuitry. What manner of intelligence could have built this ship? You are looking at it. Let him go. Who are you? Don't you recognize me, Darkseid? I am Brainiac. Brainiac? But you look nothing like him. A computer does not lie, Darkseid. I have been recircuited and shed of my human appearance. My intelligence has been increased a hundredfold. All that remains of the old Brainiac is my programmed hatred for the Super Friends and my desire for their capture. You've already captured two of them! This is an exact android duplicate of Superman, and my Wonder Woman lured you right to my ship. I do not like tricks, Brainiac. Why have you brought me here? I need your help. My androids need the power of your Omega Beams to become fully energized. Once they are supercharged, they will be powerful enough to defeat the Super Friends. His plan has merit, but is it wise to work with Brainiac? He is a machine, Desart. In this universe of treacherous living creatures, Brainiac may be our one perfect ally. You have my full cooperation, Brainiac. Stand back! Forging an alliance with Darkseid. Brainiac's androids disguised as several members of the Super Friends succeed in capturing Wonder Woman as well as the other Super Friends. You have made promises you cannot keep, Darkseid. My programming will not permit you to free any of the Super Friends. I command you to leave my ship at once. No bag of bolts tells Darkseid what to do. Your emotions for Wonder Woman do not compute, but I shall teach you to listen to reason. Darkseid's desire for Wonder Woman proves to be the downfall for his plan. Take me back to Brainiac! Take me back to Brainiac! You fool! You took the android! It was a mistake, Father! All that smoke and that... Quiet! of apocalypse there shall be a next time super friends and when we meet again i shall have you wonder woman 
All right. So like the synopsis said, uh, Darkseid and Kalabak and the side are heading back to Apocalypse when they see Wonder Woman, or at least what they think is Wonder Woman, who they pursue to what appears to be Brainiac's skull ship. And I'm not entirely sure if we've ever seen the skull ship before on this show, but I really like the look of it here. You know, the flying head and the, and the tentacles coming out from the bottom. They go aboard, and Darkseid is marveling at the advanced circuitry, and that's where Darkseid meets Brainiac, who, if you're paying attention, looks a lot different than what he looked like before. Gone is the purple shirt and the gray boots and the green face with the little uh, computer thing on his head. I know my description is very uh, technologically accurate, isn't it? So this is more of a robot Brainiac, and I like the fact that the cartoon accounts for the change of Brainiac's appearance, as he talks about how his brain power was incorporated into this new robotic form, which makes him smarter. Being a kid's cartoon, they could have just gone sh- straight to this new Brainiac with no explanation. But I like the fact that they took the time to point out the change of Brainiac for maybe some of the older kids that are paying attention saying, wait a minute, that's not how I remember Brainiac looking. And they showed the old Brainiac, and so we know it's a logical progression from the old Brainiac to this Brainiac. And the dialogue bridges the gap between the two images. So, good. The show is not just making changes willy-nilly and uh, expecting the viewer to go along with it. It is showing the progression, which I like. Character growth. Writing growth, too. These episodes are much better written than what we've seen in the past three seasons. You know, everybody looks back fondly on the challenge of the Super Friends, and rightly so. That was probably the best season so far. But I'm enjoying this a whole lot more. Probably because this is more like what I remember from a kid, even before even challenged not so much. These last two seasons were what my DC fandom was born from. So yeah, it's really no surprise that I'm enjoying this a whole lot more than everything else. So Brainiac's plan is to use Darkseid's Omega effect to bring his uh, robotic super friends to life. He's got here an android of, of both Superman and Wonder Woman. So Batman and Robin are flying around on Earth <laughs> in the backopter. When a uh, freeway overpass collapses, uh, Superman uh, catches the road, but Batman and Robin save a gasoline truck. So an effective rescue and a great deal of teamwork. So after it's all over, Batman and Robin think Wonder Woman have showed up, but nope, it's the android, and she basically teleported Batman and Robin right out of the Batcopter. And uh, just for good measure, when she was done, she captured Superman as well. So three super friends right off the table, just like that. And uh, meanwhile, Firestorm and Wonder Woman are out in the mountains somewhere rescuing some skiers. And at this point, the android Superman captures Wonder Woman now. He had green eye beams, and the android seems to have some trouble with Firestorm. I wonder if he's trying to shoot kryptonite at him, but, but at first it seems as though the robot doesn't necessarily know who Firestorm is. But because that I had initially attributed that to why the, ro- the Superman robot was having such trouble with him. But nope, immediately after the robot calls in Firestorm. How Brainiac knows about Firestorm, I don't know, but there it is. But Firestorm was apparently too much trouble for the robotic Superman, but not robotic Wonder Woman. So he's captured as well. And once they're all on the skull ship, Brainiac has a plan for everyone and has a tailor-made cell to each of the Super Friends' own weakness. I mean, as far as this series has gone to a great deal to uh, explain that Batman's weakness is, is to take, just take away his utility belt. So there were no special substances involved with them. Superman was underneath some kryptonite. I don't remember what Wonder Woman was being held by, but... And Firestorm was being held in a way that I guess that kind of limited his uh, transmutation power. I don't know. But either way, Brainiac basically tailor-made the cell to everybody's weakness. Meanwhile, Darkseid is still trying to make Wonder Woman his wife, and he offers to free the rest of the Super Friends if she agrees to marry him at this point i'm wondering if this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this season and maybe the next one i don't know i guess we'll just have to see how things develop with more dark side episodes a recurring uh goal would be other than let's destroy the super friends that take over the world such a specific goal would be something new in this cartoon but as far as this arrangement goes brainiac is not going for it and the villains are going to fight it out and this is going to be their downfall because they can't agree on what they're going to do with the superheroes and now 
we've got a fight between the villains. And it's a pretty even matchup. I don't really think Darkseid should have this much trouble with Brainiac, just from the way I understand these two characters, at least on a physical level. Darkseid is far more powerful. But, and this is something you're going to see common on 80s cartoons, the villains are always getting into some kind of a tussle because they can't work together. You saw it in Challenge of the Super Friends, you see it in every cartoon of this time period, really. So, this is going to give the heroes a chance to, uh, free themselves. Wonder Woman short circuits the control panel by throwing her tiara at it. So, the machine explodes, the Super Friends are free. And the war between the villains is still going on on, I don't know if this is the command deck or what, but... Now there's some kind of gas surrounding everybody, and nobody can see. Batman uh, snared Brainiac with the help of Firestorm, while Robin is lost in a fog, as he is most of the time. And and I can think along with this cartoon with just about anybody, because as soon as I saw Calabac grab Wonder Woman, I had a feeling he grabbed the android. Especially with a few minutes to go, and uh, he takes Wonder Woman through the Stargate as they escape. And, uh, yep, I was right, and Robin seemed... Quite surprised, but I guess he forgot about the counterfeit Super Friends. I mean, he was very concerned about Wonder Woman having been brought through through the uh, portal, but he did forget about her double. So meanwhile, the android Wonder Woman has Darkseid cowering on his ship, or Apocalypse, or wherever they are. Just not a good look for the Lord of Apocalypse. And I do like that this show has Kalabak down as the fool. Very true to his character, and I'm probably going to mention that quite a bit. He's got Kalabak and his stupidity down pat. Probably because you need your villains to be stupid in these shows, at this time at least. And so we basically get an ending that involves Darkseid raising, raising his fist and yelling at the clouds, saying that he'll have his revenge on the Super Friends and Wonder Woman next time. And there are plenty more next times to be had. So, another good episode. I like that the show is taking the time to explain the changes, like the change from Brainiac to his more comic-accurate model. It's taking into account that kids may wonder why Brainiac looks different, and not just accept it as is, so... So far, so good. I hope we can keep this going. All right, let's uh, finish this off with Reflections in Crystal. This was written by John Bradford. The Mirror Master, a member of Flash's rogues gallery, strikes at the Super Friends with a diabolical device which he uses on Superman, trapping the hero in a strange mirror universe. (laughs) Superman under glass. What have you done to me, you madman? This little trinket just sent you into the sixth dimension, Superman. The dimension behind mirrors. You won't get away with this, Mirror Master. But I already have. And though you can see and hear me through this mirror, there's no escape. You are trapped forever. It's too bad Samurai didn't stay long enough to join you. But have no fear, Superman. You won't be lonely for long. And uh, not the mirror universe that you're thinking. In this universe, he can only communicate through Earth's mirrors. Managing to contact Batman and Robin through the Batmobile rearview mirror, Superman warns them in Firestorm. And despite all my powers, there seems to be no way to break out of here. Whatever you do, Super Friends, you must not go near any kind of mirror in Mirror Master's presence. Or else he'll zap you into this weird place. And I thought I'd seen everything. Mirror Master is at the county fair. Now's our chance. Good luck. We're gonna need it. But he's too late, because the Mirror Master soon traps these heroes in the mirror dimension as well. Arigato, Samurai. But how did you pull it off? I made myself invisible at the last second, and once the mirror lost my reflection, it closed. This must be the way out. No, no, no. Maybe this way. I can't believe I'm lost. We'll help you out. Threat! How could I have failed when I was so close to victory? You'll have plenty of time to reflect on that behind bars. 
This episode has one of my big complaints that I've seen in Super Friends. Here we have the Mirror Master, a prominent member of the Flash's Rogues Gallery. Guess who's not in this episode at all? You, that's right. If your answer was The Flash, you would be right. You know, that's like having episodes with Brainiac and Mr. Mixiat's Pitalik and not having Superman in it, which has happened before. So, not something that I really like that this show does from time to time. So, Superman and Samurai are playing a game as we start our story. And I guess even superheroes play video games, you know. The game's not over yet. Watch this move. I think you'll have to make that move later. An emergency at the observatory. Nanda, today's the day they're installing the new telescope mirror. This could be serious. I like seeing them just hanging out. I don't know, something amusing about Superman with a video game controller in his hand. You know, just kind of shooting the shit with samurai as they're playing. Gives them a little bit less of a people at work vibe, I guess. Shows that they truly are friends and not just uh, co-workers as you tend to see uh, with the Justice League. But the games are interrupted when they get a alert to go to uh, the observatory where they where workers are installing the telescope mirror. More on that in a minute. And now we get our first shot at the Mirror Master, who's obviously going after the uh, mirror. And the workers are kind of weirded out when Superman and Samurai show up because nothing has happened yet. At least uh, once the Super Friends show up, that's when the Mirror Master tries to make his move on the mirror. And Samurai, who's going to have a very strong accounting for himself in this episode, is immediately suspicious that they were called to the emergency before the emergency actually happened. It's nice to see that somebody in this episode is thinking on his feet. So uh, Superman puts the mirror away and he kind of looks at it and for some reason the uh, distortion makes Superman look fat, kind of like a funhouse mirror. And the Mirror Master, one of his abilities, or one of his tricks, I mean, this is not necessarily an ability as he uses technology to accomplish his goal, but he sends people into a mirror dimension and that's exactly what he does to Superman. He calls it the sixth dimension, the dimension behind the mirror. Probably not accurate, but whatever. Is what it is. I'm not sure in reality that there are any imps in a fifth dimension either, so I guess we'll just go with it. So, Superman's plan is to contact the Super Friends through other mirrors, which makes sense. If, if the Mirror Master can do it, if he can contact the Mirror Master through a mirror, it only stands to reason that he can contact the Super Friends the same way. So, the first mirror he finds is Lois Lane's image on it. Apparently, she has a mirror in her office behind her, and uh, I guess Lois was the first person that he spotted, of all people. That's the first mirror he found. Hey! It's Lois Lane. Wait till I tell Barry about this exclusive. Lois, I need your help. That's strange. I could have sworn I just heard Superman. I guess that's what love does, do you? So much for her. And he tries to talk to her through the mirror. You know, we see his face in the mirror behind her. It's kind of a peer. So she heard Superman's voice, but then she didn't turn around in the, in the direction that the voice came from. Which is bizarre, because when you hear a voice behind you, the natural thing is to turn around to hear where the voice is coming from. But I guess not this time. She just kind of gets up, walks out of the office to file her story with Perry White. She chalks up hearing his voice to be because she's so in love. What? If my girlfriend came up behind me and called my name, whether I knew she was there or not, I would at least turn around in the uh, direction that her voice came from. I'm not going to get up and walk away and say, oh, I guess I heard her voice because I'm, because I'm so in love. No. You hear her voice, you turn around and you look just... A dumb reason for Lois not hearing it. <sighs> so uh, now we get a little uh, humor here. Superman hits a few more mirrors. Uh, one, he catches the guy shaving. Huh? Uh, sorry, uh, wrong mirror. The poor guy got scared out of his skin. He's lucky he didn't either slash his throat or cut off his ear with his razor by accident. An another mirror just resulted in a woman shrieking. <laughs> and another mirror just resulted in a woman shrieking. And I'm guessing uh, Superman caught her less than decent. Excuse me, ma'am. 
And it's really funny seeing Superman turning around so quickly to uh, either cover his eyes or get away. But he does realize, I've got to be more careful. It is very easy to be a peeping Superman with all these mirrors. You don't know where you're going to turn up. And I don't know if this mirror was in her bedroom or bathroom, but she was not prepared for guests. Let's just say that. So Samurai is reporting to the other super friends that he can't find Superman. Most distressing. Superman has yet to return from the observatory, and he left hours ago. Look, a message is coming in on the printer. Holy gobbledygook. This doesn't make any sense. This message is just written backwards. Look. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Which super friend is next to fall? Hmm. This poem has Mirror Master written all over it. A robbery at Metropolis City Bank. Let's go. And we got a back backwards message printing out uh, asking who the next super friend to fall will be. Clearly from the Mirror Master. And again, it is with Batman and Robin in the room. It is Samurai who figures out that the letters are backwards and you need a mirror to read them. That should be the big giveaway that Samurai is going to be the big hero in this episode. He is literally figuring everything out and he is the only person advancing any kind of plot. While Superman is floating around the mirror dimension checking out women in their bathroom, Samurai is figuring things out. So Superman is showing us up at the Hall of Justice mirror about a second too late. Apparently he must, he must have lingered in someone's bathroom a little bit too long. And now uh, Sam, Firestorm and Samurai catch up with Mirror Master and he blinds them with a glare, which is very easy with a mirror. Just to grab some light off the reflective surface and next thing you know, nobody in front of you can see. So now we've got a chase between the Batmobile and Mirror Master, but he uh, sticks a boulder in their way and the Batmobile just kind of flies over it. This thing is doing some serious jumps here. And I don't know, for some reason, the Batmobile looks different. I'm sure maybe the model didn't change from this season to the next, but this Batmobile reminded me more of the Batmobile I owned. I wish I still owned it. I don't know what happened to it, but it's gone now. So uh, Superman finds them in his rearview mirror, but it's too late to say Batman and Robin if they fly into the mirror dimension as well. But Firestorm transmuted water into a wooden raft to save the Batmobile. And one of my comments about Superman in the rearview mirror just Superman showing up in the rearview mirror might have been enough to drive them off the road. Just saying. So, uh, Firestorm and Samurai go back to the Hall of Justice, and uh, I kind of wonder if they, if they left the Batmobile on the raft or took it back to the Hall with them. This episode does not provide an answer. So here is an interesting uh, image of Firestorm and Samurai talking to the mirror, and all you see on the mirror are Batman and Superman and Robin's faces. Why does Batman get half the mirror when Robin and Superman only get a quarter of the mirror each? Maybe it's because of Batman's cowl. I don't know. So, here we go. Three of DC Comics' top-tier heroes. And it all comes down to Firestorm, probably a low B or high C-lister, and Samurai, who's not even on a list. So, now, a Mirror Master is at a, the county fair, which is undoubtedly going to have a Hall of Mirrors, because we can't have a Mirror Master episode without the Hall of Mirrors. And the Samurai shows up and finds the Mirror Master, and he knocks down a tent as he steals a plaque. The plaque is reflective, so it's that's going to... Uh, play heavily into Mirror Master's plans. So, like I mentioned, here's the Hall of Mirrors, and uh, Firestorm blunders into the Mirrorverse as uh, the plaque uh, Mirror Master stole turned into a mirror and trapped Firestorm. So now Samurai follows Mirror Master into the Hall of Mirrors, and apparently Samurai has a new power in this episode. He can turn invisible, which is how he fooled Mirror Master into thinking he captured him. The mirror closed when it didn't see Samurai anymore. So and Mirror Master is captured, and the heroes are saved, and we make a few bad reflection jokes as the episode comes to a close. This is our first episode not to have Darkseid in it, and it's a simple story. No complaints other than the one that I just made. So, a very strong start for 
the Legendary Superpowers show. Next time, we're going to continue with uh, with four new stories. No Honor Among Thieves and Mr. Mexius Pitalik and the Magic Lamp in the first segment. And in the, se- and in the second segment, I will cover Case of the Shrinking Super Friends, as if we haven't shrunk enough in the past, and The Mask of Mystery. Until then, if you want to send feedback, it's always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. You can join the conversation over the Facebook group. Just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Until next time, folks, we're all on the same team. Good night. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zumo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zumo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. Email to this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.